0: Hi, I'm Bao Tranchi. I am a costume and fashion designer. I costume design feature films, and I also have my own brand called Bao Tranchi, and uh, it's a high-end women's wear brand.
1: Welcome to The Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly a hundred million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the vietnamese experience from all over the world thank you for coming on about what does it mean to be vietnamese to you nowadays
0: oh nowadays oh my god um god this this question is multi-layered right um just because what it means for me today comes from the results of a life lived right and just uh and, and I come from such an interesting perspective because you know like we have the first generation, we have the second generation and then we have the one and a half right And I've always found myself in a particular spot in it because I I left Vietnam when I was 10 months old. So I like my my the second generation of my family that was born in in America, she's just two years younger than me. so like my niece is just two years younger than me so we grew up together parallel but in my family I was still in their generation. But I never felt like, you know, cause there was like a 22 year difference between me and my oldest brother. So, you know, being two years old, uh, you know, so it it kind of has shaped me into always in some odd ways feeling like uh, on the outside and never fully fitting in, right? And so I, I feel like I've spent so much of my life um, kind of finding that that spot you know because I'm 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 like not fully I, I'm American like when I go to Vietnam I'm very American but then when uh, I'm in America I'm not fully American as well and I'm um, you know so it's 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 like straddling that and so but I think in that way it's it's how I've always approached everything it's just outside of the box trying harder just try just being a bit more like i've got to get people to see who i am and realize who i am and i'm defining who i am so um but what it means to be vietnamese now i mean it's it's what an an incredible time to be vietnamese right i feel like we are the next wave yes um for sure i mean i've seen it building and building over the years and you know as we say, OG, gee, we, we've done a lot of work to make it to build that. But, you know, I, I saw it when, you know, when we were first in, in, in the States and it was the Japanese. And then, you know, it takes another decade, and then it's the Koreans. And you see the Korean uh, explosion happening now that's been building for the past 20 years. And it, this is happening now with the Vietnamese community uh, and culture and uh, just everything visual that we're doing. So I'm, I am I think uh, what an exciting time. Like, I, I don't even know what generation we're on now, like for, is it third generation? like i mean however Mm -hmm. you know what i mean where it's um and and i feel like a lot of uh and, and it's bringing such new fresh air too you know and and it's like um like like my uh I had the wonderful experience of having my daughter in Vietnam, right? And ironically, she kind of had almost the same amount of time in Vietnam that I did, meaning I left Vietnam when I was 10 months old. She left Vietnam uh, after she was one one year old. Um, And to this day, she's almost nine. She is, she's obsessed with it. You know, like she wants to go back. I mean, I've taken her back when she was two, four, um, two and four, um, and and it's kind of one of those things where it it lingers in her. It, she she wants to to know more about it, and I I think that's all she needs. And and I and and I love that. And I love that. You know, what is she gonna do with that when she's older? You know, I I can't wait to take her back. I can't wait to take her. You know, that I, I, I was planning to take her uh, before COVID hit and but it's just the new ideas and and where will she go with it and and vietnam has changed like it's just it's such a beautiful time of representation you know like like the amount of awareness to representation we've never had this before awareness to diversity i think we can do even better i think uh it's 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 going down the the, the pecking order um and and i feel like uh, you know we are all doing our part for for the Asian representation.
1: What kind of barriers did you experience when you were first starting? Or did you not? Some people don't? Um, What did you struggle at all, you know, in terms of, or were you always so good at what you did that it didn't matter?
0: I mean, that's, uh, I I guess, never even thought about that, because I've never approached, uh, I've never seen, um, I guess, awards, accolades, or disappointments uh, from a racial standpoint so it's never even been a part of my vernacular to ever blame it or to praise it does that make sense like i said um um, you know when my when we first got into america my my father made a very conscientious decision to not move us to little saigon and, you know, after, I, I remember we were doing a press for, for Journey from the Fall, and one of the people had, my father was there, um, and they had asked him, well, why did you not want to join your Vietnamese community and go to Little Saigon? And his answer was very poignant, and it was because I wanted my children to create an identity outside of just of being a part of a culture. Not that there's any, but he wanted us, you know, he would escaped, he had risked, life limb everything to to bring us over here and and he wanted us to create an identity an individuality you know um so i guess i was never brave enough not brave enough to i never even um but you know now i mean you know there's definite uh we we're still fighting uh you know like i i see it in in certain industries where um you know like you know in costume there's not many asian costume designers remember when we had uh uh hillary clinton running for president and everybody's just like i just can't imagine her as president and that's because people have never seen a female president before so it was just well that's not how presidents look right Right. so people go with what's familiar it's kind of like well this is
1: now when you were growing up and you were you know living um with your parents and you where were you What were you primed to do? What did you think that the future of your life will be?
0: Um, Well, I pretty much I mean, you have kids and um, I feel like kids are pretty much born who they are. We do our best uh, to to, kind of guide them and all that. But their personality is so innate. I knew from I mean, I mean, I'll be honest, I knew it was very like one of those moments I was sitting at the foot of my mom's um, sewing machine in a sweatshop Um there's a hundred sewing machines whirling around and, you know we didn't have, we're immigrants we can't fucking afford daycare yeah, yeah. babysitter any of that so I'm sitting with her I'm like two years old and I just knew <laughs> I just knew that this was going to Holy be shit. not become a sweatshop sewer but just uh the creation the clothing and then and then my father uh was became a a draftsman like actually like drafted blueprints and everything like on a drafting table at home and and i would draw with him and and it was just it was just one of those things so i always was different i was never i was I, i never had one of those I'm going to go to school for accounting. I'm, you know, and then, or a pharmacist. I never, I never even for one second knew I was not going to not do something artistic. I've known from the get go that I've, my threads are just woven from different colors than than the rest of my family and those around me and i've pretty much been spending my you know my entire childhood like like weaving all of that together to make sense to become the the individual that is me now you know uh um, despite all of the obstacles like like family uh you know we're immigrants we're not we're not taught to yeah. to dream we're not taught to i mean now is different i'm talking you know us yeah it it was it was a scary time it was you know i mean we never even talk about the trauma our our, our parents must have right like and and, and you know the uh, uh, like my older brothers and sisters who were cognizant they were you know 17 16 going through uh, these uh, you know boat trips where we're facing pirates that are trying to do to rape my sisters they're they're robbing us that you know uh vicious uh you know officers on um on um oh my god uh why am i drawing blank on on, on the, the camps
1: mm-hmm, on the camp mm-hmm.
0: um and the refugee camps you know and just like just just so much trauma and and the starving and all of that and and so you know i, I just know when they arrived it's it's just kind of like put your head down and follow the rules and and just you know just you know it, it don't it, it wasn't uh there was no license to there was no you know like i think about the things i tell my daughter and it's just like dream big be big like it's, it's your bodies your rules your imagination your world like everything like just just yeah. whatever you want to do you, you know, I, I, know I, I
1: wonder about that a lot we talk i talk to a lot of the guests uh, about that like you know they have no constraints because we give them no constraints we're like just go and fuck shit up just go out and tear <laughs> it up right but then i feel like You know, because we were given so much constraints societally and culturally and, you know, on on, on that level, we were like these trees and seedlings that just wanted to pop out of the concrete and just grow and grow fierce. But I feel like, um, you know, sometimes giving no constraint to our kids. I wonder what that experiment looks like in about, you know, two decades from now
0: yeah, no. I mean, I could definitely agree with you because I mean, I can cite uh, part from personal relationships and stuff. I've seen that where the second generation um kind of um, I-, I guess because their parents were like, I don't want them to suffer like we did. So they gave them everything oh. and gave them an easy path. And then they didn't they didn't have to fight, you know, and it's that fire, right? Yeah. Yeah. what do, what do they say about diamonds pressure makes diamonds right yeah. and it's like they were given no and it's kind of like go to college do what you want and then they're kind of like
1: they have no uh, direction because they didn't have to fight for their vision yes
0: and it's that fight that is 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 the that most incredible you... thing I, I remember telling my niece uh when she was 17 and going to 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 my to my uh school Otis uh and I was just like you're gonna face kids who have more money than you, who are more passionate than you, who are more driven than you, who have, and, and that's what you're going to have to fight against, you know? And it was kind of like, like um, so sometimes that, and, and when it's all we knew from the moment we were here, was everybody has more than us i mean to this day it's just like it's that awareness you know what i mean so it's Mm -hmm. like i feel like we've always had our boxing gloves on right
1: yeah just
0: have to be scrappier and uh and 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 i do that when i uh you know like when i costume design it's it's like you have to think outside the box and and i find that too you know like with uh certain um like, I, I almost think so outside of the box. It's, it's almost like they're. There are no problems. There are just creative solutions. Right. And and it's kind of like and I remember when I was I'm just like, I have to be crafty. I'm smaller. I'm this. So what do I have to do? And, and you know, uh, I'm just like, OK, I'm going to go this route. I have to, you know, it's and it's and I, and I think that there's something um, I, I'm so thankful for it, because sometimes I'll, I'll work with other people and it's kind of like, oh, no, it just can't be done. You oh, know, well, I, you
1: uh, know. I remember growing up, uh, friends of mine, like my white friends that I really looked up to, and I would tell them that, and and they would say, no, 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 you don't get it. Like, you're going to one day recognize, and these were older men that were 15 years older that I was hanging out with, and they're like, no, no, you're going to get it one day, you will appreciate the, the, the difference, the societal difference that you come from. And it won't be a weakness anymore. It'll be a, a, a some part of your armament it, and you don't see it right now because you're still working out your, your mind, but one day it will be, it'll come in handy and it's so true. I mean, whatever the, these guys told me, it's like, it comes it, that, that scrappiness, that resourcefulness, it's all paying off now. Cause it's just, you know, we, we do things differently. We think outside the box.
0: Absolutely. And I think the word armament is like the perfect word for it because it is, it's is—it's—it's our self-made armor. Right. right. And it's just layers and layers. I've always, I've always said, you know, um, like live a life so that when you meet your heroes, that they want to hear about your stories, mm. you know, and so you have to offer something more than just, uh, uh, a, 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 the average thought the average way of living the average way of doing things you got to offer something unique and special for them to be like hey Bow, what do you think and and tell stories and you know and all of that kind of stuff so it's and, and it's and, and how you do that everyone's path is unique right so it's um yeah
1: speaking of paths uh there's a few tracks in fashion like designers can take right you could go That's and right. have your own label you can work for another a big corporation you could do costume design you could do so many things uh, coming out of otis a, a design school fashion design school but how do you know sort of where your main track lies like how do you figure that out coming out from basically art school
0: well the interesting thing was uh as soon as i graduated uh otis i i was offered two 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 jobs two big roads that would take me in um and it was uh and klein had flown me out to new york and they were like we want i i went over there they were like we want to hire you this and that and at the exact same time um uh, Ariane phillips who's a really big hollywood costume designer um she was just like, oh my god, I want to work with you on uh, Queen of the Damned. So, and you know, and so I was just like, oh my god, which one do I do? Do I go to New York and do the fashion? I just graduated, you know, with a bachelor's from fashion school. Um, but I always known that cinema, movies, mm. storytelling. You know, like like I said, I love both so much, but like uh You know, like I, I love the fastness and 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 the speed of fashion, but I love the foreverness of cinema. Wow, I you know mean, so and put <laughs> it's yeah. so I, I, I picked the movie, but I always knew too that I would come back to it. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like I've always done things par- par- parallel, and I've been able to build uh, the careers on both sides. Um, simultaneously. I mean, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, like, what if I had just focused on one, but I can't ever wonder that it's, yeah. it's just what I have. And it's just like, I've been able to accomplish on, on both ends. um, And and that's just the path that that happened and the opportunities that kept on coming.
1: Why well, why do you think coming out of school, somebody gets offered two big deals like that? Like, what is it about the work that you did that you were offered that?
0: um that i was unique and i was different um like at my uh so like the fashion job i can give a really good example of that um so this so ann klein had actually asked our department chair for 15 um students that she thought would be great for them they didn't like any of the ones she picked she picked all the ones that did what you were supposed to do uh design what you know all the and then you know and they were all like you know like I said um uh, they are the forever uh behind the scenes uh employees their employees um and uh they didn't care for any of them so they actually so Anne Klein actually reached out to me on their own because they had remembered uh, me from being at the school and so they they had my work and, and all this and so they had called me outside of the school. School didn't even know that they flew me to New York. Um and then with Ariane so I had done a design project uh, for a mentor while I was at at Otis for my senior project and my sketches were at the designer store and so the costume designer came in and she's like oh my god like these are like the best sketches like I I I want her. And so she she reached out to me on her own as well so it's and you know and it was just producing work that was innate to me so it was true to me um and it was all these sketches I had done of, of like rock and roll designs and um, and so it was like a perfect fit with the queen of the damned you know because it was yeah. all like just basically like rock and roll like vampires basically right and so it was just perfect timing. And uh, the, uh, and exactly, you know, like I said, just, just do, just be different, have a different voice. Um, And and I, and I can't express that enough in terms of like the next generations and stuff, you know, it's um, it's, it's make your voice known. Don't be scared of it. I mean albeit I get it. We all have to make money and we all have to feed ourselves and stuff, but but definitely in order to get your voice heard, do that do do that original thought.
1: You know, there's so many designers that are struggling to to mobilize and break into their like their the upper ranks. So many paths to do that, but how did you break through?
0: Um you mean on I mean, I would say one of the one of the big breakthroughs I would say uh was with JLo. Like I would say in terms of really like having where it just kind of broke the ceiling. And I would even say, even for her, you know, and J Lo's yeah. it, it was one of her individual most powerful viral moments where the whole I mean and I and, and I know it sounds crazy but at, like the whole universe was talking about nothing but that
1: okay can we can we take it a, uh, a few steps back like how did it lead to that moment with the design that you put on her and yeah. how it even got to you meeting her and and being in contact with her
0: yeah well i mean hold on how far back do you want me to go like as far uh,
1: back sense. as uh the story would make sense uh so yeah i, I want to hear the origin story as far back as you can go
0: uh i i mean i i guess it, it was how i came up with that dress and and the collection and yeah. everything if we really want to go back was one of one of the biggest things that happened to me in my life that made me uh change up everything, you know, we all have chapters, right? And so this was when um, my mom passed away. And after my mom passed away, I was really, really, uh, I was beyond devastated that I lost my mom at such an early age. I didn't expect to lose her at such an early age, but that I never ever had a child and I never would see the ancestral genetic you know natural uh dream of seeing my mom hold my child and and that just destroyed me and i was just like oh my god you know like and you know and that whole life balance thing like oh my god Mm -hmm. like you can't just pursue your career you can't just do this like there are bigger things too um and so i i knew that i i wanted to have a child before my uh uh my father passed um but he is still going strong so all is good Mm -hmm. and that was um how, so anyway, so, how so, so, old so, so,
1: was your mom when she passed
0: she was 69
1: well wow, that's very young and how old were you if you don't mind me asking at the time
0: um oh my gosh I was 31. Mm, yeah. yeah
1: that's yeah. right at that point where you know you're 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 you probably know yourself really well and then but then it's like what's the next stage you know with children and marriage and all that right mm-hmm. at that cusp
0: yeah. And I mean, and in hindsight, I never could have had kids at any point before that, yeah. you know, it was never the right person, never the right time, never, never. And I'm, I'm so happy I didn't, but it was just, you know, such a life awful travesty that I couldn't have had my, my children while my mom was alive. And then, so, so the point was, so I had my, my, my Sadie in Vietnam. And I remember I was, it was, it was the first time in my life where I, uh, you know I, I i was my body changed and i fully you know on both on both spectrums i i fully saw how incredible a woman's body is in terms of just like we're, we're absolute fucking rock stars superheroes right we make we make create life with our own bodies we create food with our own bodies like like we're we're, we're an insane we're amazing right and then we bat, we're, we're just supposed to bounce back and all of this but it uh, made me see designing from a more personal point of view, of like inside and not just outside physical. Um, and so then I remember I was in Vietnam and I'm I'm postpartum. I'm I'm nursing a newborn and I'm just all like, okay. Uh, and you know, and I'm such an artist. I st- I, I was getting jitters. They're like, oh my god, I need to get back in it. I need to get back in it. Uh, you know, I, I I I I need my creative. Everything was just going bonkers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, it, it's, uh, I, I need to create just as much as I do love my child. And um, so I'm, I'm watching everything that's, you know, what's going on in fashion and everything. And I'm just like, how do I do this? How do I, how do I compete with, you know, design houses that have way more money than me, have way more staff, have way, I- I'm just one person. I'm just one person who just had a baby. How am I going to design and create, not just design, but have to create it so it, uh, I'm one of those designers who does everything. I, I could do my patterns. I draw it, I sketch it, I, I drape it, I make it. I make the wow. sample on my own uh, fit model. And um, so I'm I'm just like, and, and so this is what I, I'm feeling uh, You know, so I started creating um, this this small 18 piece bodywork collection line, right. And, um, and and this is where I'm going to get to where sometimes you don't realize and we'll talk again about the fire, the the adversity, right? Like, so I, I'm, you know, I'm in Vietnam. I'm, I'm, I've been out of fashion, you know, and fashion's moving nonstop. It's kind of like one of those things where you can easily feel like, oh my god, like I, I'm, I'm left out of it, right? Because it's seasonal to seasonal, and it moves so fast. I mean, I almost feel like no other industry where where you have to create a number one hit so fast, so soon, every six months, and you know. Um, so so i start creating it and uh, and it's all about the body and it's all about creatively carving it out you know and uh i was just like i'm just gonna use one fabric and see what i can do with it right and uh and in, instead of you know lots of times you know designers will be like oh i'll use this 150 beaded fabric and then you know all these other fabrics and all this. i was just like no i'm gonna simplify it down to fucking integrity of the fucking design and and how well do i know the female body right and so i did it i i uh came back and i brought it to my um i have a uh, pr firm that agency and they they rep me um and so they put it in their line and everything and then so the first hit was and i remember it's it's and uh i remember my um my pr guy was just like oh my god i've never had a response like this and so the first thing that hit was it was predominantly featured in taylor swift's bad blood music video wow
1: uh,
0: which, was, which was great and 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 a big deal like i think i it was on selena it was on soraya I, who, who was there was one more um it was uh it was on it was on all these major uh you know lead girls in it which was great but then um the uh you know and and then start getting all these other press hits and stuff but none of that compared to what happened when jayla wore it so i had gotten word that she had gotten my um her stylist had gotten my lookbook and she loved it and it was um and she was thinking that she wanted to wear that one of the dresses for her birthday that was coming up and um and um i was just like uh but you know you never know i mean you have to understand j-lo is the biggest celebrity in the fucking universe she gets versace sending her free gowns you know like two million dollar gowns just like how do you compete right and like i said so and and i remember uh it, it was kind of a like well you know if if she wears it Uh, you have to agree that you won't let anyone else wear your designs. And I was just like, I can't agree to that. Right. Like it's, it's like, I'm, you know, I have to support myself. Right. Like it's, and and so I I didn't know what she was going to do. So I was just like, um, so her birthday comes and it literally fucking blew the top off the universe. Like it went so fucking viral. It started with Kim Kardashian tweeting it.
1: It was, no agreements or anything at that point she just yeah.
0: wears it she just wears it and 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 the thing is with with her you don't know if she's going to wear it or not because she could change her mind she can you know
1: yeah and at that point you said no like i'm not agreeing to I, this
0: I, yeah i i told my PR that i was just like i can't agree to that i want to but i have to make a living right yeah. it's just like i mean because uh you you can't feed yourself off of a of a, a a press piece right it's you know you need sales you need orders you need things fr- from the press piece and so and you know and i was just like uh, and i remember her birthday came and and you know um, during the day she was doing all these outings so the paparazzi is like so i'm on my social media and you know she's she's doing birthday brunches and all this kind of stuff I'm like no no so you you never know and then suddenly at nighttime it, and and it just literally like literally exploded and it was insane um like i said kim kardashian tweeted it immediately it was just like oh my god like can this woman be any more insane and and then it just went like wildflower and it's literally covered on every news outlet everywhere everyone knows the dress Um, she kept the dress it's in her like you know wardrobe of 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 her hits and it's it's just one of those iconic moments that like you can never plan for you know mm-hmm. like anytime where you're just like oh my god this is gonna break the internet and it doesn't like you can't you can't force
1: mm-hmm.
0: it 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 just happened and and so and it, it was incredible and so then immediately like overnight and like literally it was the first time where i'm like selling my phone is just going non-stop of just people following me just like it's, my screen is just lit up the entire time i was just like and you know in hindsight i'm just like i didn't even know what was happening you don't know what's happening until it's happening and and you know and nobody knew that just a couple months less than a year before she wore it i was i mean i i didn't leave vietnam until uh november of 20 uh, of 2014 and she wore it in july of 2015 so it
1: was well it's that's almost like overnight right
0: yeah i mean and i mean really and it was just a brand new collection and it was just like this is what i'm gonna do and i had taken the time off to have my child which everyone always says is a career killer and this and that right like like and that's the thing and 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 that's the thing about living once you start really you know and, and that and, and when i say living i mean like uh getting older the the process the experience you got to make time for the things that matter too yeah. everything matters it's it's the whole uh, component of everything that makes up your life you can't just be like you know if if we were to follow what society makes us believe n- none of us would have uh, you know, those deep things that we, that actually matter when we're on our deathbeds, you know, yes, our career matters. And that is so important. It's critical to me if I, if I'm not like, I value so much of my worth by what I create, but if I didn't have my girls, if I didn't stop, like if I believe society, I mean, you know, and, uh, and, and became a career widow and, and just sacrifice myself for that. Like, I mean, it's not worth it. I mean, you know, you have kids, it makes it so much richer, the soup is so much richer, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's simmering, it's going, it's living, you know, and in the end, it's like, and and especially when, you know, especially in this age of social media, and, and you can definitely feel so easily bummed out because you're like seeing everyone's highlight reel, right? while you're you're living the behind the scenes right and you're just like oh my god everyone's highlight reel so fucking amazing everyone's in a ring light and everyone's all like luminescent like everyone's like killing it but it's 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 you you have to take a breath and realize just do the work and do what's important to you and live the life that is precious to you and it will all add up you know and um and 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 I think also, I think people want to be around that light too, you know, and you don't want to become, I don't know, I guess with anything, it's that balance. I mean, it's so, it's so hard as an artist, you, you know, finding that eternal balance of, of, of creative to work, to life, to personal, to love, to friendship, to family. Like, how do you balance all of that?
1: We, uh, we struggle, we struggle and th- in the struggle, the beauty comes out, but without the struggle, you know, there's really no payoff to any of it. So I think doing the struggle every day and, and really just putting our nose to the grind is, you know, ultimately it pays off. I think it pays off big time. Now, once this JLo dress took off, how long did it take to basically change the trajectory of whatever you were doing in your life?
0: Oh my god it was uh it was so so tough i mean it took i mean and i will say it literally took me a full year to complete orders for for oh, that i got shit. from this just because i was not equipped to do so you know what i mean i never uh before this i had done more i would say really like one-offs and and custom and very extravagant things that would take me three weeks to make you know really really special things um but that's also how i i created a voice in the industry was creating those unique things yeah. and getting that that creative thing and so this was the first time where i'm like oh my god and so this is a whole other facet of fashion that i had to learn which was just like um uh, like how do i do it so i could actually sell more than at uh, you know I can't be sitting here sewing it one by one at a time right how do I get other people to make it I've never done this before so it was like a whole massive lesson and
1: production at this mass point. production but it's still custom though right it
0: still is custom because i mean the dress is is so complicated i mean most people i mean i have had most people wouldn't even want to take it on and the amount that they wanted for it was just i couldn't even make money off of it you know and you have to realize like that 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 t-shirt you're wearing you know it, it costs them a dollar to make mass production wise right like and they can sell it for but like people are wanting like hundreds to make it and i was just like i can't afford that and it's just because my technique that i had created in this bodywear line nobody had ever done before and the reason why it was so new was because i i kind of came up with it because i didn't know i you know i was kind of in in, in a box and not and in a box in in vietnam and i was just kind of like well i'll just i'll just figure it out myself and in that figuring it out myself because a lot of times if you go to a manufacturer, they'll have like the and and you and I always say you could feel it. Like you go to any department store, you go to Macy's or whatever, and the clothes just kind of have a mm. commercial feel, commercial finishing, commercial everything. And it just doesn't feel special. And you can always tell when you have something that feels special. You know, and it's just because it's not manufactured in the cookie cutter kind of way. You know, so if I if I'd had uh, proper money, I mean, I I remember I I sent one of my pieces off to a factory in, and this was like after this was like a year after I sent one of my pieces to a factory in Colombia, and it came back, and I was just like, it and it and it just looks different. It's almost like the target version of it. <laughs> which is, you know, it's, uh, but I remember I was just like, it just looks different and just feels different. And so, um, wait, wait, yeah, wait can took- I
1: stop you there? So, you know, this, uh, uh, piece comes back, uh, but you say it feels different. Can you explain what that means? Because, uh, I'm curious to hear, is it the seams that are not m- made to your spec, the, the fabric doesn't feel Go right? Ahead. Because I want to know that, like the, the intangibles of why you're saying it didn't feel right.
0: Uh, I mean if you really want me to go into like the yeah, fashion nitty-gritty of it it's I want to go in
1: the weeds yeah
0: okay okay we'll go there um uh, and I, mean, I do not want to bore you with fashion talk but I, I know, mean
1: uh... the, the more details the more interesting for me you know I want I, I want to hear why why would you think that it didn't feel right you know and because I try to apply this to other art forms in my life and when I'm looking at other art pieces I want to know what the artist thinks is you know that little subtle difference makes it's night and day it's like target or high couture right
0: absolutely uh one fabrication right like the the type of fabrics i was using there's always a cheaper version of it right mm. and with mass production you you're trying to cut it as cheap as possible um the technique i was using i, I would use like 50 yards of elastic for one garment so when you were doing manufacturing you want to cut costs 50 yards of elastic adds up when you're doing like hundreds of thousands of units right so you're just like no well why, why do we need to use elastic we'll just fold it down and and top stitch it let's say or we'll cover stitch it right we won't even use the elastic or we'll use uh flimsily clear elastic or cheap elastic which weighs way less like i have a very specific type of elastic that i like to use that is uh probably cost uh 10 times as much as as the average one that they would use for manufacturing and it's because it has a weight it has a certain stress it's so specific Mm -hmm. and it's normally more used for like uh, lingerie and things like that so it's more expensive because it has to look good has to feel good against the skin so so things like that so the quality of that is reduced and then it just doesn't have the same weight doesn't have the same pull um People love to use the overlock machine, like for fast fashion and things like that. Like if you look inside your t-shirt, that's all overlocked, right? I never use it in my, any of my knit stuff. Everything I do is either um, uh, a French seam. So I, I come from a classically trained background. You know, I went to Otis, which is one of the top schools for fashion. And uh, I, I was trained in, I know how to tailor suits. You know, I know how to do ball gowns. I, I know I, I love old couture like techniques. So I took that to a, I took all those techniques that I love to a medium that normally doesn't get that sort of love and attention, you know, which is like more kind of a, like body suits and, and sexy. And, you know, you know, the simplistic thing of is, is just calling it lingerie, but it wasn't l- because I wanted it to be wearable, but just like endlessly, uh, uh edgy yet sexy yet. It, and it's this fine line, you know, that I, I was, I was, I was trying to create where, um, It's just a a timeless piece that you'll have that constantly makes you feel edgy fucking cool and and you'll have it forever. So it's like an heirloom edgy fucking piece. Um, So yeah, so I, I took all those techniques and I and I put them into into my garments
1: um okay we'll we'll go more into the weeds now i grew up in the garment business because i
0: oh you did
1: i did i was what you mentioned earlier about sitting next to my mom's sewing machine i know how to overlock i know exactly how to describe this overlock right now we're going to get into it because um overlock and i want to know why you think or why it is that overlock is cheap and overlock to describe it to people who are just listening um there's multiple threads right there's multiple yes. thread lines and so when you see overlocking it's just like this fast way it has a blade that cuts the excess fabric yes. off right? and then it
0: does the blade the the uh the uh the stitching
1: the stitching yeah and it's it's sort of it, it there's multiple uh threads that cover this edge right yes but why is that considered? and I you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but I wanna know why is that cheaper than you said the French hems?
0: The French seam the because French seam, it, it requires French... twice as much time. So you have to imagine just in manufacturing, you could overlock it, you fucking run it through, it's right. done. Right. So with French seaming, you have to sew it once and then you gotta flip it around and then you gotta like sew mm-hmm. it again. So, and then a lot of times with, sometimes my French seams, I'll have them uh, top stitch too. So it lays flat. Um, so you're talking about two to three times the amount of time. So we, everything breaks down into numbers, right? So it's kind of like, you could do it once or you could do it twice. So twice is going to take twice as long. And so then that just keeps on adding up. And for me visually, like when you wash a garment that has the overlock threads, totally it'll start, it, it'll start coming apart. It starts looking and you can see it and and if you have any fine garment you will see that all the seams are hidden it should look that way and that was the school of of thought that i was coming from where i love looking into a garment and it's just as beautiful on the inside as it is on the outside like if i took off this if i took this off right now you wouldn't see any of the seams Like, you'd be like, where did you hide it? You know what I mean? And it's just like, so if I don't have, so a lot of times I'll, I'll, and I'll also line uh, things just so then I can sandwich the seams on the inside. A lot of people in straight manufacturing, they won't do that because it's kind of like, like I said, it's adding another step. You know what I mean? You can just overlock that they won't, instead of having two layers, um, they will just do one layer, right? And so, cause I, I was doing all these things with like mesh, over a, a piece of lining because I liked how the mesh created a texture created a new texture versus just using the lining but but many people who were knocking me off would just use the lining fabric so it's all these things adds up you know what we' were saying it's just like every little stitch makes a difference
1: so fascinating i'm I'm just so fascinating to hear it because um you know, I I can imagine the French um hems are are more comfortable to to kind of when it sits in your body, right? Cause yeah. the Overlock threads are just like kind of like there's like, you know, it, it just goes uneven, <laughs> right? And- yeah.
0: No. And then you know you have inconsistencies with yeah. manufacturing and pe- and people's machines. Sometimes it gets too tight. Sometimes it gets too loose. Sometimes it's you know there's what I call if you you can tell too if you go to a store really cheap manufacturing what they try to do to get it done super cheap and fast is they may they they, uh loosen the threads so that it's as wide as possible so the finer it is like it starts with think about like a a, you know if, if it's really fine uh it takes up more thread so, like I said, everything to do with manufacturing comes down to numbers, and it's kind of like so. If you you make it too too you know too close together, you're gonna be wasting more money on thread, and so they'll just make it really wide. You can sometimes even see the fabric underneath, which isn't cute to me. And so it was. It's it's just a visual thing of of uh how do you keep on elevating it? Like I was saying, like uh it's. You can feel it, and and I and you know, and I make things that are very sexy, and it makes all the difference. Because all all of my clients, I mean, like I, I have one of my favorite clients, and she was just like, you know, I took your dress to uh, my dry cleaner, um, to my tailor to to refit it for me after COVID, and he was just like, oh my god, it's so well made, mm. you know. I, you know, the only other person you said this about was, like, her Tom Ford dress, right? And and it's just, like, for something sexy. And that makes all the difference because when you're dressing super sexy and you're doing cutouts and you're doing things that are exposed, uh, you want the person who's wearing it to feel expensive. And a person feels expensive when something just fits different, when something just goes on different, when it's finished different, and they know it's expensive, you know, and, and you just feel it. And, and it makes people act different wear it different and and they don't you know i I mean i've 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 had many fast fashion companies knock me off and so i bought the pieces because i wanted to see their construction i've I've decided to i'm going to start making some uh some videos of it and start posting them on as reels on my on my brand page yeah Yeah. i want to dissect it for people i actually do i i want to take it apart and be like this is why you pay this and, and why it's not the same. You know what I mean? Like this $59 version of it, there's a reason why No, this,
1: I- this shit is so interesting. You know, it's so interesting. I, I, I listened and I'm I was so fascinated. You know, I uh, read a GQ article when I was a, a, in my teen years. As a teenager, I read this GQ article, they were breaking down uh, Banana Republic, Old Navy and I think Hollister or some brand like that. It's very, it's a vertical company that owns these three All of them. Yeah, right. I I don't know if it was theory who owned it, but some big conglomerate owns like, and then they broke it down. They're like, why would um, a company own these three when they basically kind of cover the same uh, footprint, uh, the same buyers, but the price points like $5 or whatever, there's percentage difference in the cost of, of when you retail when you buy it. And then they started breaking down like the sizes of the margins of error you know, at the higher, and then when you go down, and when you go down, uh, the sizes are, are a little bit more loosey goosey. And yeah. at, at the higher level, like a banana Republic, not to be like, that's not the highest, but
0: no, no, no I for this, for, for this for company, this, yeah. yeah,
1: for this company that they own, it's like, okay, banana is the highest and then Old Navy and then Hollister or whatever. So you don't get the it's, it's about the fit. It's about all of the things that you're talking about. And it's so it always stuck with me when I read about that. I was like, Oh, interesting. That's why you know a t-shirt today that costs a hundred dollars feels different when you wear it um than a twenty dollar shirt
0: yeah no for sure i mean you know i mean uh, you know there are some people who do put out the same i mean you know we could go into the glassware you know uh companies that own that are making the same ray-bans as they are you know that ten thousand dollar glasses and it's five dollar glasses you know it's like right. um that's a big scam,
1: like, yeah. You- yeah,
0: or or like the $500 T-shirt is being made at the same factory as the ones that are selling it for $50. You know, it's just like some people put the love into it and some people, but but for the most part, yeah, there's a definite difference.
1: Now, I wanna bring it back to our culture, to the Vietnamese culture, because it's there's some pertinence here for me. Like, when I think about like the quality of all of these details, like the Italians, when they made food or when they made fashion or films, they their ability to go and drill down to the details were, and I grew up always like kind of like not, nah, you know, Vietnamese culture, we don't have those things. And But if we think about this, we were so busy surviving war-torn, a war-torn situation and we just didn't have what it at the time, the luxury to really pay attention to to the, the seam lines and to the fabrics and to, we were just like busy surviving. And now today we have artists like you and so many other people in the film and music business that are now given this opportunity to really infuse uh, high quality craftsmanship. And it's so, you know, it's, it's so delightful to get to, to talk to you about these processes that are, detail oriented. And we know why things are so elevated at your level now.
0: Yeah, no, and I love the details, the details makes all the difference. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I've talked about this on 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 the podcast so many times where you go, I go into a home, I used to, again, my parents were into sewing. And so we did curtains and garments at, you know, one, one point or another, we were doing that, you go into a home, and we would hang the curtains. And I started to pay attention to the paint lines if they were like really well done paint lines and the walls are smooth and just crisp edge you knew that the that the owners were very difficult and they were just very detail oriented it's all about the paint lines
0: yeah no i love that
1: Yeah, and if you go into homes where you know the paint paint lines a little crooked a little loosey-goosey you know they were going to give you an easier time it'd be a lot easier to to deal with and you know i always paid attention to that because it was like You know if you go into a brand new home and they got blue tape you know up against (laughs) the thing that they're telling their painter hey we're moving in you need to fix this before we move in so as drapery installers like me for for so many years of my life going in to see blue tape was like a red flag like okay guys we we have to like be very careful going into this job
0: yeah 100 percent um let me tell you a great story uh i mean it's it's just like where um i love when i uh, you know i love when my fashion and my costume get to uh marry each other intersect and i get to use the expertise of both for something you know so like when i started prepping for beer run um so uh it was you know we were doing chicky donahue's character can i start talking about it
1: yes please Yes, (laughs) yes yes yes
0: Um, so I knew, I knew from the get go, you know, and just breaking down the script and stuff that the he the, the one outfit, and it's true to, to the true story, Chickie Donahue, you know, wore the same exact outfit his entire time. Right. And so he never changed. And, and so I knew that this outfit was going to be the most important and, and, you know, um, and we had to get it perfect. So you know it takes place in 1967 and so the denim that he wore at that, that he wore these specific jeans right and you know the fit from 1967 is different and and trying to find a vintage pair of jeans at any of the costume houses or any of the vintage stores it's like a, a fucking needle in a haystack 100%. And that it fits Zach's size perfect. Yeah. But not just that, we we need multiples. It's not like I could just find one and, and it had to be a very specific color because Chickies was a very specific powder blue. So I was just like, we we have to make it. Like we we have to we have to find, we have to make it. But I knew that I wanted it to be exactly uh th- the fit had to be from the period. Um, But the wash and the denim, obviously, of course, because we're making it was going to be from now. But we had to do it so that it looked like 1967 and be authentic to it. Right. And so I was lucky enough to find I mean, i scoured everywhere. I was lucky enough to find one pair of vintage jeans from 1960s um, that I was just like, okay, this this looks like it will be like the good fit for Zach. So I Mm -hmm. I fit it on Zach. And
1: did it come from the same brand?
0: No, it's a it's a one off one pair. I mean, I don't even think Chickie remembers what brand it was that he wore. And we're not supposed to use brands over there, <laughs> but, but it was, it was more like the silhouette, the cut, like, how does it, you know, it, it has to look like it's authentic to Chickie's, uh, um, wardrobe. And so I, uh, I found this, I fit it on Zach and, you know, I was just like, I took all the notes. I was just like, okay, it needs to have this and this in order for it to, uh, look more off that, you know, fit Zach better and everything. And so, um, using my fashion connections i called one of my good friends who works in denim and i was just like i'm working on this on on this movie um do you know anyone who 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 knows denim i need to make these jeans for zach right and so she connected me with uh the actual levi's textile denim provider for levi's in based in Bangkok, right? So he's based in Bangkok. He has one of the biggest denim mills, and he actually, you know, currently uh, right now is providing denim for Levi's in Asia. So I was just like, yes. So I I i wrote to him immediately, and I was just like, hey, you know, I'm bow. I'm working on this movie. Will you work with me to make wow. these custom denim? And not just that. I, I need to make like 30 additional pairs for Zach. I need to make it for his also his stunt double. And, and so he was, uh, you know, as soon as, you know, I started talking with, so Amron is is the owner and CEO of, of Atlantic Mills. And he was just like, yes, I will work with you on this. And he was super excited about it. And but mind you, he's just all like, but hey, just to let you know, Thailand is going through a major surge right now. We're supposed to be prepping in Thailand. And I mean, this was when we were all like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? And he was just like, my factories needs to get closed down. Like pretty much, it was 20 every single day. It was like 25,000 cases today, 26,000 cases today. And, and, you know, quarantines, curfews, everything was happening in Thailand. And I was just like, how is this all going to happen? And, um, and he was just like, well, if we are out of quarantine um, when, when you get here, I, I will meet with you. Right. And so when I got there, I had to go into quarantine in, um, uh, for two weeks and stuff and so i i i went through it and he and, and in the process he's just like oh my god i know this amazing guy uh this japanese guy who's based out of thailand who would love to go, go on this project with us and he's he's like the denim guy right so he will actually make it for you and and wash it at our wash house so it's like we're like this little trio and this is what i mean by like i'm always thinking outside the box you know anyone else could just be like well we'll just Dub in these vintage pair of jeans, right? But I was just like, no, I need to get fucking Chicky Donahue's exact jeans. So if I can't find the vintage, I'll make the vintage. And that's where my fashion experience comes in, where I get to actually, you know, if we can't find it, we can make it. And, and, you wow. know, with technology and everything. And so between the three of us, we were able to come up with the first prototype, which is like, I mean, if you found it at, at a costume house and it was, you know, labeled 1967, you'd be like, yeah, of course it is. It was washed. It was aged. It was everything. It was perfection.
1: Why um, you need 30 pairs?
0: Because uh, he is going through. Okay. So for, for, you know, for movie making, you are you know, you're not shooting in sequence. You're not shooting, you know, the beginning of the movie to the mm-hmm. end. And so he's going through a journey. He's going through, he arrives in Vietnam and he goes through basically the war and, and we're watching him go through it. So he's, his clothes are aging it's getting dirtier. It's getting messier. It's getting more, war torn basically. We're, and wearing
1: one pair throughout the whole time. This guy's in Vietnam.
0: Yeah. In real life. He's in real wearing, life. In he, real life. he never changed. Because he didn't think he was going to be caught over there. He thought it was going to just be like, you know, a quick turnaround, like 48 hours and he'd be done. And so he ends up wearing the exact same thing. So we had to have uh, aged versions of it, you know, I mean, like level one, level two, level three. And then like for each scene that you're shooting it in, you pull that whatever level it is at you know, based upon the script and stuff. And then, you know, you, you, you want to have multiples, anything happens to it. And then we had stand-ins too. So we had stand-ins and then we also had, um, his stunt doubles. So it's like everybody needs their own version and everything has to be aged the same. Everything has to look the same. And so it's, this is like all the inner workings that people don't realize, but, but that's my attention and obsession with detail and getting it right.
1: So how did you get tapped for that project?
0: That is another incredible story. (laughs) All right.
1: First of all, let's talk about uh the greatest beer run is a movie starring Zach Efron. And was it shot in Vietnam? Crow. Say again.
0: Russell Crowe.
1: Russell Crowe and Bill Murray. And Bill Murray. Three three big stars in Hollywood. Was it shot in Vietnam? I know the backdrop is Vietnam, but was it shot in Vietnam? No,
0: no. Vietnam would never allow for this movie to be shot over there. I mean, it would have been amazing. And not only that, Vietnam was shut down. This Mm -hmm. was this was prime. I mean, I remember I thought I could prep. I remember when I uh, took on, agreed to take on the movie, I was just like, okay, great. Like for Vietnam scenes for, you know, I can get stuff made over there or pull from there or buy from there and super authentic. And then, you know, I had my assistant over there already tapped and like ready. And then he I remember I would talk to him, he's just like, I don't know. He's just like, We're we're now this was at the point where they were shutting people locking people inside their homes. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. Where I mean Vietnam is like fierce, where they literally locked people inside.
1: They don't give a fuck
0: yeah no fucks given for no sure. Given people that. talk they about don't... freedoms here. I'm just like, Mm-mm. you did not grow up in a communist country bitches <laughs> like a whole nother level of freedom, right? So, so yeah,
1: the top for the project
0: oh this one this is an incredible, and this is what I mean. It's kind of just like uh being the exact right person with the exact right skills, you know, and I and I even uh, uh, here. i'll I'll go back so i had uh and i think it was just like um so i i get a phone call it was the it was the day where i i dropped my daughter and i remember it was very clear i dropped my daughter off to her first day my second daughter story um i took her to her daycare and i remember i while i'm driving there on the way back i I get this message right and uh and it was from qiqin and um, I had just seen her at my daughter's first birthday just a month ago. Right. And um, I remember it was like the first big, like, not like kind of like we were kind of getting out of COVID. So I was potentially creating a COVID spreader. Nobody got COVID from my event, but it was my daughter's first birthday. She was born during COVID. I was just like, you know what? And I remember, and then, like I said, like, just just do it if you can. I was just like, I wanted to to make it a big deal for her. She's she's been in hiding her entire life. Like let's make it she there was over like 125 people on her first birthday. It was like I had like 12 15 tables set up in my like backyard. Like it was massive, it was beautiful, it was amazing, right? And so Kucin, of course I lo- like Kucin and I go way back. I think we've done two two movies together.
1: Journey and
0: Journey and Finding Julia. Oh, okay which which is another fascinating one but um but anyways um yeah so we had done that together and then uh so so we're very close it's kind of like i i, I love her mm, so yeah. much She's, i mean beyond beautiful and just inside outside like i love gigan so so she called me and she was just like hey um i guess one, one of her friends was uh consulting on um she was one of she was tapped to be a consultant on beer run and so they were uh they wanted to find a vietnamese costume designer right and uh i didn't know at the time but they had already they had already hired a a costume designer and um this person um is you know hollywood veteran she's done over you know she's been in the industry for over 30 something years she's Uh, you know I can name her the movie she's done like just veteran right anyways um, she had signed on and she had done uh, and and she quit the movie and and it was because it got too hard it was like it was too complicated it was you know uh, and this is what I mean about that fire and that scrappiness I'm just like yeah do do a movie in Thailand during a COVID like Pretty lockdown? Not. Fuck yeah, let's <laughs> do it, right? Uh, like the more challenges, the better. And and you know, and for her, she's just like, I don't need to do this. I don't need to make it so hard. Like how do I, because the production was like, you're gonna have to make everything in, in Thailand you know and but how do you make everything in thailand we had over forty five hundred extras total for the movie right and we're making everything uh and you have to think like for military and everybody has different size shoes right we have to make shoes so it's not like you could just go to there's no costume houses in thailand like how we have and even out here you know like it's not like here where you're like oh i want like you know (laughs) a thousand military uniforms you know it's just like we had to make everything and so and and how do you make it you have to have a pattern you have to start from scratch you have to source the fabric you have to have fittings you have to make sure it's per i mean like you don't i mean uh it's all I mean, I I I can I can tell you a gazillion stories about making every aspect of every part of it, you know, and even just like the military uniforms. We're not even talking about our leads. We had over like seventy five principles, you know, like all throughout the movie. It just it's it's a lot. It's not like it was just you know Zach and Russell and you know like it's you know it wasn't like a small. Uh, uh cast it was a massive cast with massive amounts of background and everything had to be custom so it was just like who wants to take that on right yeah. and when you're
1: you're a veteran you're you need you're comfortable you have
0: to find yes something. yeah you, you get comfortable and um and it. and and so she didn't want that, and which opened up the door for them to think outside of the box. Wow. Um, actually, and, you know, and this is where it's a beautiful thing about Pete, where he actually really valued the authenticity of it, you know, and I feel like that's the thing as much as Hollywood likes to talk about, like, diversity and representation and this and that. And at the, at, at the end of the day, who are they hiring for key head positions? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm talking
1: you you throw out names so casually let's talk about Pete Pete we're we're referring to as Pete Farrelly here you're like (laughs) oh Pete you know let's let the audience know this is Pete Farrelly who directed Dumb and Dumber Shallow How, something about Mary I mean the list the hits go on Um, I mean
0: let's stop the Green Book which he won the Oscar for for Best Picture yeah yeah yeah. so and this is his follow-up to his Oscar win so it was you know big big problem yeah <laughs> like, but peter. <laughs> what is it you're like
1: no you just threw it out casually i'm like no no let's stop the put the brakes here we gotta like <laughs> let me break it down and let people know how important this actual this project was very it's a big project peter farrelly it's,
0: yeah yeah. oh my god like yeah it's it's massive it's major you know what i mean and um and like i said uh in in the beginning like when you meet your heroes like live a life so that they want to hear what you have to say right like i could have just come off as a total hack right um and you know he's not just gonna hire me just because i'm vietnamese it's just yeah. like i gotta have the chops and, and actually be able to back it up and the beautiful thing was i remember uh after i talked so so anyway so the point was so you had told the the consultant i'm sorry i'm like so so that uh so anyway so she quit and so at this point, she's already uh I think already a month has already passed by in terms of prep. Like the production designers are already in Thailand prepping. And so already a month of prep is lost. And it's like the schedule is set. So it's not like they're like, oh, well, we can rewind time because you lost a month of prep. It's like, no, like so, in addition to COVID, making everything during this time, it's like you get a month less of prep. So it's just like um and so anyway so so they're like uh i gave you your name was just like I gave your name and there's a producer his name's Andrew Moscato he's gonna call you and and so uh, this is Andrew's baby so Andrew was the one and, and you know if you you researched like greatest beer run ever he had done the original documentary in 2015 mm-hmm. about Chicky Donahue which pretty much uh exploded into where we are today with Zach and Russell and Pete and and everybody and and the movie's having its premiere at Toronto Film Festival in two weeks, right? So he was the one who gave birth to it. He was the one who recognized in Chickie an incredible story, and made uh, I think it's like a fifteen-minute documentary about it. And it just kept on growing from there. And so Andrew was the one who called me and was just like, "Hey, um, you know, introduced himself." And so I got on the phone with Andrew, and it was like, it, and it's just one of those things where it was immediately familiar. I was just like, "Oh my God!" Like we were. It was uh, no nerves, no anything. I was just like you know like when you know that you are the right person and that um and I told uh, Pete this when, when I was talking to him I was just like not to be super cheesy but I used the line from from taken that Liam Neeson used which was I not I'm totally gonna paraphrase it Ralph it was kind of like I've honed a very particular set of skills my entire life that makes me basically the perfect person for this job for you. So it's just like you can find people with more credits on imdb you know i'm sure you could find a veteran who's done 50 more films but they won't have had the experience and the personal connection and the uh just the chops and the in the and the cultural know-how and just this is this is my blood you know what i mean like this is this is my ring like this is my arena i know it uh i'm working in thailand working in asia like all of this just the wow. story i was just like this is me like it's it couldn't be a better fit. And so when I, so, so then Andrew was just like, I'm, I'm gonna get you on the phone with, uh, first he got me on the phone with uh, the line producer, and then he got me on the phone with Pete, uh, Zoom, both of them were Zoom calls. And I remember, uh, you know, and it's one of those things where you're just like, oh my God, I'm about to meet with Pete Fairley, like how, how you know, uh, and it was the most incredible, like warming, I'm so relaxed it felt like I've known I I was just like I've known his his spirit you know his energy for way longer than this and it was just so easy it was so fantastically easy to talk to him and it was so uh, natural. You know there was nothing that had to be i didn't you know i'm not even pondering about what to say everything is just naturally like it's It's just me being intrinsically who i am intrinsically telling my story intrinsically telling him my vision and what i wanted to do and you know i was telling him about other vietnam movies and what i thought of them and it was just like we were two you know friends who were just yeah. chatting chatting about the movie instead of you know like it wasn't a, an interview it didn't feel feel like that and then after the end of it he was just like my god you're perfect congratulations can you
1: go through some basic stages of that process
0: <laughs> what do you mean like emotionally or no, no. Or you-
1: I mean like you get a call from the producer and then what happens next like you go into pre-pro like you know then you start sketching or how does this work can you kind of <laughs> again oh <my> god. <laughs> I'm not looking for a master class but you know I I'm curious about I'm sure a lot of people are wondering like when you get a call like that from somebody what happens next? And then what happens? And then do you you assemble an Avenger team under you to kind of like piece all this together? How does this work from like start to finish? If you can?
0: Uh, Oh, my God. I mean, this is a major. This is a master class.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You could just give me just sort of like chapter titles, chapter titles. That's all I want to hear
0: okay like from start to finish like like what do you do how do you how do you you a a major feature like this yeah yeah,
1: like what okay so you get a call and you're like okay cool uh you talk with the line producer which is he's asking you for a budget right uh they're trying to figure that out and
0: mind you the line producer like produced all of the mission impossible movies (laughs) so like no big deal (laughs) <laughs> you like... see, I,
1: I i want to expose the audience to sort of like the inner workings of like how that works and again not a master class or not anything detailed but like you know week by week what happens you know you get this and you have to submit like a, a detailed budget a line budget line items for them to know and then you have to tell them about what team and what what's your vision like how does this work and then how many weeks of shooting did you do and
0: Basically it happened real fast, right? Because like we were already behind. So basically as soon as uh, you know, after I talked to Pete and it was just like it's a it was it was a go. Then of course I had to do, you, you know, you have to get your deal approved and you have to get all that before you can even go on. And then and as soon as that was done, it was literally like, Hey, um, Zach is going to be in LA for literally um, a six hour layover. Can you do a fitting with him in three days? It was literally like that. And it was just like, uh, yeah, of course, right? Because it it was literally, it was his next project. It was his project that he was going to do before Beer Run. So he had a layover in LAX and he wanted to do his fitting. And this was the only time that I was going to see him before he was going to be on set, um, just like a week before we were shooting. So because he's our most important, I I needed to get him, you know, so- (laughs) Yeah. done um and approved right away but it's literally like three days so uh, literally me and my assistant um roman we uh went and pulled all these clothes and that that's when i found i was able to find the magic pair of mm-hmm. jeans that i was able to base his ultimate final finale jean uh denims on and and all these shirts all, all these everything and just creating the lookbook for for pete to approve you know and so we um uh, put it all together and we met up with zach and it was uh you know uh, you know you never know when you're meeting with like major stars yeah. and this and that right like you never know and he might be tired he's traveling it's a layover oh my god it ended up being he like an lax office. what is it
1: to lax to meet with him
0: yeah well they they have these uh, luxury suites uh, these private suites um and it's for celebrities and stuff to rest in between their layovers and stuff and so we we agreed to meet there and it was like it was like the same thing like with andrew and with pete wow. where it was just we hit it off immediately and um it ended up being like two hour fitting and not because but it was just exact like was so so giving and so so great mm-hmm. like i was saying he was he was so excited too and he was just like usually told what to wear and uh you know, when he walked in, I had the music playing because you know from the script and stuff. You know, it it, it you know um, Brian Pete and uh, Brian uh, Brian Curry Pete Jones are the screenwriters for for the script alongside Pete Farrelly. So um, um, so they had put inserted in all the music that they wanted, and so I was playing it.
1: The details that you put into the fitting. Yes, it's like you're playing the music of the movie. Yes, While you're fitting him.
0: So so I he walked in and I was just like, uh, I wanted him to vibe into chicky and be chicky you know and so it created a mood and it broke the ice right away instead of it you know being you know as they say you could hear a pin drop <laughs> nobody wants that in a fitting right like you want it to like what we're doing is creative like he's embodying another character so it was literally we we, we were so excited but even down to the underwear and the socks, like we had, you know, and this is a great thing with, uh, you know, having it based on a character that is still alive, like Chickie Donahue is still alive, kicking and amazing. Mm. Like he is, I mean, he is a storyteller for days. I, I finally got to meet him in New Jersey, and and also, um, I, you know, so I would, uh, you know uh email Andrew Moscato who was the liaison with Chicky and i will just be like so what kind of socks did you wear what kind of underwear to wear and me me and Zach would have these conversations about like how important it was that you know even down to that like inhabiting the character because it yeah. makes you walk differently you know and, and nobody ever thinks about it but if 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 you were to suddenly be given someone else's cool. underwear style especially from 1967 you would definitely stand up or sit down way different right because <laughs> <laughs> y- you have to take yourself out of of of, uh of the character you're playing you know and it comes down to all those little nitty characters and zach was amazing for that he was so excited was super into it and um this is i mean like i can't wait for everyone to see this movie just to see how he completely abandons your previous notions of how you see zach efron does that make sense
1: yeah he's grown
0: yeah, he's grown, but also he also still has that Zac Efron uh, aspect that makes you love him and makes him so lovable and why people are champion him, you know, so it's not like it's just like all suddenly like serious, uh, you know, it's a uh, Christian male, you know, right. it's like <laughs> <laughs> so
1: Zach Efron's essence, uh, the, his boy. Yes, is, uh...
0: the, <laughs> the Zephyrins is still there. <laughs> Oh, so As we said, exactly. <laughs> so
1: you 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 go through fitting him, fitting and then him. And I, was, yeah,
0: and it was uh great. and and then of course, like I said, you have to do the breakdown of the script. Um, so not just Zach's character, but there, like I said, we we have like seventy five. Um,
1: and you have to worry about everybody's every, details,
0: everybody's look, everybody.
1: How, how much time did you have from the minute you got the call? till principal photography uh, camera start rolling. I'm
0: actually looking at my phone to actually remember um I mean and here's the thing I didn't okay because of and here's the other added thing um so it's so by the time I had the fitting with uh after my my deal was closed and after I had the fitting with Zach like literally um the production is on everyone's already in Thailand for like a month already right and the problem is I have to get now I have to get paperwork and visas to get into Thailand during COVID which is a whole other situation yeah. so that took another I think almost three weeks before I could even um go over to Thailand and not to mention as soon as I land Thailand I'm in quarantine weeks. for for two weeks to after i and when i say quarantine that means i am in a hotel room locked up and i can't leave so i'm i'm prepping as much as i can during those 3 weeks of waiting for my visa in la um pulling what I can and coordinating with, I I have a Thai costume supervisor. So I'm literally, I'm like working two shifts where as soon as it's six o'clock, my time in the US, I'm just like, okay, now it's Thai time, right? Like now I got to work with her. And I start coordinating with her, like pretty much like, this is everything we need. Where can we get this made? And because of the quarantine, you know, certain factories, you know, you can only operate if there's like, let's say 10 employees or less, and so we're splitting up everything so I'm coordinating with her like I'm I'm pretty much every single day like setting our we need to make this make, make this and it's just like non-stop just and then after I so and so I finally uh flew into uh Thailand on I think August 6th right at this point it's like August 6th and the first day of shooting is September 13th
1: oh my god
0: and I still have two weeks of quarantine that I have to do. So, and then at this point too, I've realized that everything um, that I thought I could have my assistant pull, make or buy in Vietnam, Done, dead, out the window. I can't do it anymore because um Locked Vietnam is shut oh, it was absolute lockdown. You couldn't ship anything in. you couldn't ship anything out. Yeah, and so I was just like, okay, now we're gonna have to shift, and thank goodness I know how to manufacture, right? Because I'm just like, now we're gonna have to shift gears and we're gonna have to make everything, source everything, do everything out here in Thailand. Um oh. And so while I was in quarantine, I was having, so I, I found out through the hotel that my uh, my costume team uh, can still send things in. They just, you have to send it to the front desk and then they spray it down and all that. So I've already, you know, as soon as I landed in Thailand, I had brought all these, uh, part of my prep was I had bought all of these uh, vintage military uniforms, anything, eyes from like the 1960s, I bought... I, you know sourced it everywhere um and so then i i sent them out to my um my supervisor to my costume department and then i had them knock it off so that the fit was actually authentic to the actual vintage pieces you know what i mean um so they were actually taking the actual specs and even then i remember they would send me the samples that the manufacturer would 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 do and i was just like nope and and I could show. I, I wish I could show pictures. I'm just like, mm, no, this is wrong. And I would literally layer them next to it and explain to them why. You know, what what makes it 1967 versus you know? I'm just like, this is definitely like way more like 1990. Like this is like they're making it more like Desert Storm like fit. I'm just like, this isn't this isn't right. The that you know the wash everything. I'm improving all this inside of a, a hotel room, and you know I'm getting Aoyais made based on old specs. I I actually even brought for them. One of my um my mom's original alba that she had worn on our boat trip. So this was her refugee like the one that she wore i it was one of my family heirlooms and so i i I'd sent it out to my team so that they can do a pattern of it knock it off so we could have authentic because you know alba buzz now don't fit the same as they did in the 1960s you know nor the from the 50s every era you know it's fashion it changes yeah. and stuff so authenticity so i'm doing fittings inside my room and so as soon as i get out we were shooting in three weeks
1: and how long was the whole shoot
0: the shoot okay so hold on i'm actually looking <laughs> at a calendar i'm just like oh my god like um be, well this was just part 1 we still had a whole it was like we were doing two movies one one takes place in vietnam which we were shooting in thailand all throughout different parts of thailand and then the other one was uh being shot in uh new jersey to dub in for inwood new york so and and they're both each their own feel each their own cast um just as big in either one you know what i mean it's i mean i mean when you watch the movie you'll see we just had just as much and 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 it's like it's two different worlds so first we we meet chicky and we see his life in new york his family his friends everything we're seeing 1967 in wood new york right And so, you know, while we're shooting, we're starting shooting in, um, I'm just looking at my calendar while, while we start shooting, I start having to, to design and prep for New Jersey. So it's, 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 it's intense. It's, and we have, hundreds and hundreds of of you know background in new jersey as well too mm-hmm. as well as all these like major principal like cast as well besides chicky you know zach and and all of that and so um i had an acd in la and that's assistant costume designer uh, while i was shooting in thailand mm-hmm. start you know i was sending her all all of, all of the looks like this you know this is christina this is noodle this is red this is these these are the characters um go for these looks and then she would pull them from the costume houses and then like send them to me and 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 i would approve them and you know what i mean it was just non-stop i mean and we're and you know all these little intricacies too that you know we have protest scenes where there are nuns but they are very specific nuns you know from the 1960s, from a certain order. And then, you know, we had policemen. We had like, it was just so many details to it too. You know, we had protesters. We had, and with church goers, with funeral goers, we had bar people, you know, with bar scenes. And it's just all these different layers of um, of characters and wardrobe that we needed while we're shooting in Thailand. and And, you know, and we're shooting on location in Thailand. And it's just like, uh, I mean, we're talking about like showing up on set and everything has been rained out where, mm. you know, it is we're knee high in, in mud, you know, and, and we're trying, we're wading through water, like literally just to go to the bathroom, like, you, you know, you, you're wearing boots and it's, 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 it's people mess. are rowing. It's, it's crazy. So it's all these, I mean, the making of it is just as uh, it's it's, it's pretty incredible.
1: And, and when was the last day that they finished uh, when they wrapped?
0: Um, the uh, the last day. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me. So we all flew into. Okay, so we shot from September 13th until uh, October, I think, 25th in Thailand, right? Mm-hmm. But then I think the first day of shoot for New Jersey was November 1st.
1: Wow. So this is a, a good few months. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And then we shot in New Jersey for, I think, like three and a half weeks after.
1: Mentally, during this whole time, getting, you know, bombarded with a gazillion details. How how is your mental health? uh, Because I mean, probably missing your daughters and, you know, life is just in in a constant uh, perpetual state of imbalance. How do you deal with that?
0: um I mean I think this is oh uh, I mean my whole life has has been like this right so it's not like I've been having this like cush life where it's 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 always it's always like this, that yeah and every single time I do a project I'm obsessed I become obsessed with it and my family knows this and and it's kind of like that's all I see I inhabit it I I breathe it I live it I'm obsessed with you
1: thrive, it Thrive. you thrive in that environment then
0: yeah, I love it. Um, I love, and this is why for me, I love location shoots because um, you don't get the distractions of your regular life. You know, and when I say regular life, of course, if my daughter isn't feeling well, of course I'm going to be concerned, but like that's, it's 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 a great, uh, you know, and, and this is why technology is amazing. I got to still, I knew the big picture of what we were creating and I knew the big picture for my girls, and uh you know, like I said, like, and I think you know, like our parents throwing us on a boat, if our parents can throw our, our the, you know us on a boat in the middle of the night, we can do a fucking movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, and what a fucking honor and joy to do a movie sure. versus like, so you know, we got small problems.
1: <laughs> all right, so um, this is all be behind the camera, but are there, Opportunities, or, or or have you been in front of the camera?
0: What do you mean? Yes. Wait. Um. Uh, yeah. I I actually just wrapped.
1: Can we talk about this or not?
0: Yeah, we can talk about it. I just won't name it.
1: Okay. Okay. Cool. Teasing <laughs> so it up. Yeah
0: so this is another fun thing that is going to be coming out um probably very like the beginning of 2023 um they're editing it right now we wrapped we just wrapped on it and um so i am actually going to be starring in um a, a new series for a big network that streams in every country except for russia and china and maybe north korea <laughs> i don't know but who knows who knows what north korea is up to these days but uh yeah so it it's uh it's it's massive and it's major and i'm in um
1: how exciting is is this your first time in front of the camera
0: no it's not <laughs> <laughs> i mean but but for this extent where i'm i'm uh, you know in terms of like the the show and how how much i'm in it yeah uh, like i said i i can't reveal too much about it so i will be kind of evasive about but i'm i'm in it uh i'm in it um a lot and so this is the most in terms of like a continuous you know i've i've done a lot of uh guest judging, you know, like America's Next Top Model, Project Runway, things like that, you know, and um, so I'm very comfortable in front of the camera, in terms of playing myself. (laughs) That's, that's, I think that that's, that's my best quality is I know how to be myself.
1: Yeah. Now, um, can we expect other things? um, Besides the show that you just talked about? um, Are there other projects that uh, we should be looking out for in the near future?
0: Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's all happening right now that is uh, that I'm lining up. So um, but I can't divulge too much until things are finalized so to speak but yeah for sure no i'm always i'm always cooking up and it's and it's such actually such an extraordinary time in my life of um of of just i you know i you know you you go through major chapters in your life and i feel like i'm in the next big chapter yeah. of my life i can
1: feel that energy from you
0: oh can you yeah uh, no it's like I,
1: everything's I, just aligning
0: yeah And I'm, uh, and I'm just, uh, I mean, obviously, of course, you know, a major life things happened and shifted um, and I'm in a totally different place than I was a year ago. Um, But it's all, it's all happening, you know, and, um, but it's all good and it's all, and I feel, I feel like a different person. I feel, and then that's the thing. There's no end point to what we do. There's, you know, there's no like, yes, I, I've done all, all I needed to do. No, it goes on. Yeah,
1: there's no and, arrival.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and it keeps on growing. And, and it's like, and I always say too, it's about sustaining it. It's not, and, and, and in sustaining it too, you have to be organic with the process too. You can't just be so stoic and so stiff with, with what, ha- ha- with, with, uh how you do it and what route you do it you know what i mean it's just like the easiest way for life to like sh- to show you a wrench is to think you know how it's going to happen you know and it's like it doesn't and and you um so i'm at the new chapter and i'm like actually really really excited um so a, a lot of stuff is happening and and the more uh i'm 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 blossoming the more it's happening
1: this idea of representation because we talked about that before and we kind of went back and forth you know it this is a new time for that you know we are given this opportunity you know can you give me your thoughts on like your participation in that sort of uh, world of representation because we had mentioned that you know with uh, being in front of the camera behind the camera do you have any final thoughts on like you know what the rest of asian americans you know what in what can we what kind of words of encouragement um can you give us that you know that you know going forward in the future
0: oh wow um yeah no representation is is so important and we have to see as we're creating we we have to be i think be mindful of of the legacy that we want uh people to not just remember us by but but our how do i say our people but i i remember during the last you know during the four years of you know the last uh uh administration that i don't like to talk about um i i went around wearing a shirt that said this is what an immigrant looks like you know and it was important for me it was important for me to to showcase my accomplishments and 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 make it parallel to the fact that you know i've been able to accomplish this as an immigrant and 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 why and and just you know and, and just dispel like awful you know stereotypes and um and also breaking ceilings of of positions that people should have based on race or things like that you know when i was on the show the one for that's coming out it it was a big platform for me it was just like this is who i am i'm representing not just being a woman a mother but i'm also a refugee and an immigrant you know it's just like and you know and i you know i i I am who I am, and I I accomplish what I have. I dress how I do, and I'm all these things. You know what I mean? And it's just like you can't peg me, but it's just like I, I when you see me, you you see that I'm all of these things. And I and I want us, uh, you know, culturally to, to do that for people to recognize us not just because there's a oh for diversity or because we're Asian, but because of who what we're doing, and then that is the extra bonus. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like
1: so much sense. Yeah. Um.
0: Like so, just fucking be extraordinary. Just fucking do amazing work. Just fucking like, like do the work and and be. There, there is you know. Sometimes, like you were saying, like I, I fear you know, generations now who've been given it too easy, or just watch, you know uh you know shows the house of Ho or something they're like and and you know social media and there's like uh, the overnight success the overnight well if i have followers or if i'm you know or whatever then that makes me successful but it's just like I guess what I want to say is I'm like good god you are handed already third base. Yeah. Imagine what we've had to struggle with you guys could accomplish and climb even bigger mountains so so have and so when we say you know like do whatever you want no like have those really big goals and, and and think of it as the impact of of what you' we're doing for our, our Vietnamese people, our, our yeah. you know our parents, just everything. so so their power and their reach is even more potentially powerful now. So like I I want them to know the power that they can fucking harness and use it for 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 fucking magnificence, you yeah. know not and not squander it. You know what I mean?
1: I do. You know, I I uh, you, I, I describe Bowwin this way. Uh, he dreams big, but he executes bigger than those dreams. That's his sort of ethos, you know. Yeah. I, I see it constantly with him. It's He has these big ways of, of, of dreaming. And then when he goes to execute, he even goes above and beyond. It's, it reminds me a lot about you, the way you view the world. But there's a, this sort of organic way, you know, that you're going about the world and it's beautiful to, to witness. Thank you so much.
0: Oh my God, thank you so much, Kenneth. And thank you so much for doing this and just spreading you know, the awareness and, the, and just giving us that platform for our voices. Thank you.
1: My pleasure, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Crystal Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcast. Thanks again for listening.